Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. <laughs> I know. Applause, applause. Good morning. Happy New Year, everybody. Those of us who've made it here this morning, those of you who are watching online, Happy New Year. Hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas and are doing well. We're going to get started this morning, and so let's pause and we'll pray, and we'll get going. Father, I thank you for opportunities again to gather and reflect and to engage one another and to engage you. Lord, throughout the busyness of this holiday, Lord, I know it wears on so many people in so many different ways. For some people... Being with family is difficult or exhausting. And for some people, it's exciting and probably still exhausting. But Lord, it is the changes that take place in the season that push us into areas maybe where we're uncomfortable or have to stretch in ways that we aren't used to. And then when it's all over, we can exhale and start to focus again on what's ahead of us. And so I pray, Lord, that this morning we would be able to do that and be mindful of you as we do that. Thank you again for our opportunities. And we do pray your blessing on our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, Happy New Year. Um, Gosh, you know, a lot has happened in the last couple of weeks besides Christmas. I mean, we had, I think I was telling us a few of the people here, we had Christmas Eve Eve at our house because some of our family couldn't be there Christmas Eve. We had some of the family on Christmas Eve. We had some of the other family on Christmas at our house. Then my wife's birthday is Monday the 26th. I also brought a dog into the house. And then we had New Year's Eve at our house. And so we've had quite a party. Um, It's been a lot of fun. Uh, It's been exhausting, but it's been good. And I know normally on New Year's Day, you would speak on what's ahead, but I didn't have time to think ahead, so I'm going (laughs) to think about the things that have happened and kind of tie into some of what I shared on Christmas I really don't have any announcements per se that I can think of uh, at this point. And so just going to kind of get into what I want to talk about this morning. You know, looking back, 
I started kind of going through uh, the topics and things I spoke about. And I started off last year talking about, you know, the kingdom of God, what it is. And then I, I concluded the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I talked about the Trinity. Randy did a series, Jesus in 3D. Went through the book of Genesis, and we're currently going through Exodus, and that's what I'm going to do next week. And then there was one talk that the title caught my eye, and it was What We Don't Know. And I listened to that again because I thought, what did I say? I don't know what I don't know. And so... Listening to that, it again struck me as kind of what I want to lean into a little bit more. You know, it was what we don't know both frightens us and intrigues us and how we encounter it and lean into it will determine what's going to happen with the things that we don't know, whether it's about people, uh, whether it's about God, the things that we don't know are things that can either make us stand off, we're afraid because it's unusual to us, or it's curious and we want to find out more about it. And so I want to talk about how we learn and the things that we do to learn. Because how we learn determines so many times what we will learn. If we have a way of thinking, that can limit what we understand based on that process. And and one of the things that I think is interesting is that in the New Testament, especially Paul's writing, over 50% of what he speaks about is really kind of a pastoral way of helping us to be united, In other words, Paul is trying to bring unity. You could even say that the desire for unity among the Jewish believers at that time and the rest of the world, what we call the Gentiles, that this push for unity is the reason we have most of the New Testament. In other words, it wasn't Paul saying, I need these people to know about God and I need these people to understand all these theological truths. Really, the the driving force of most of what Paul wrote is, I need these people to be together and to have this idea of unity. And to tell you the truth, that seems to be so far from where we are. And I guess we need to kind of understand what unity is, and there's so many questions that come with that. But just knowing that, knowing that this is why we have most of what we read in the New Testament already puts me in a a different frame of mind. It, it, It helps me to see maybe a little bit under the surface of, again, the motivation of why these things are being written. Even Jesus, you know, in John 17, kind of the culmination and ending of his ministry, what is known also as his prayer, he says, Lord, Father, that they would be one even as we are one. There is this driving force for unity. And so I want to look at that a little bit and see how it is maybe something that can help us to learn. And so I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. 
says, for he himself, this is speaking of Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by the one Spirit. There's a lot to digest here, but one of the main points is that Christ is bringing peace between the two. And and those two, again, are the Jewish people and the rest of the world. Now, he is our peace. I've heard that in so many songs. I think I've probably taught that in so many sermons about how God gives us this peace. But notice that throughout this idea, making peace in verse 15, reconciling them both together. Who are the both? The the Jewish people and the Gentiles. The idea of peace is not so much our relationship with God as it is our relationship with one another, right? Putting to death their hostility. Hostility towards who? Towards one another, You see, having an understanding that what God is wanting to do is bring unity, these words start to take on, I think, a clearer meaning. That what he's trying to do, the hostility he's talking about, isn't our hostility with God and, you know, God's hostility with man. It's our hostility with one another, and he preached peace to those who were far peace. What kind of peace? Peace together, right? Jesus would say, blessed are the peacemaker, love your enemies. All these things are bringing about this. You guys need to get together and learn how to live together. Last night at our house, I had my grandkids there and two boys, they're, they're younger, they're four and six and they're playing great. But all of a sudden, you know, we brought out this piece of styrofoam from this gift that was there and they're playing with it and throwing and they're punching it and they're having fun. And then all of a sudden, one of them starts going to the other and just starts hitting him, right? And it was the younger ones trying to hit them. The older one's like, what am I supposed to do here, right? I don't want to take the kid out because I'll get in trouble. And we had to like put the brakes on it. Like, hey guys, you can't, you can't do that. We're just trying to bring peace, stop fighting, you know, get along because your family, you're going to be seeing each other a lot throughout your life. So you need to kind of work things out now and not fight and all these things. You see, this is what's driving Paul's messages. This is the peace that is being talked about here. And asking these people to be at peace is no easy task. We see constant friction between the two that show up in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament. One example is in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. 
It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Already we see these Hellenistic Grecian Jews are feeling slighted by the Hebraic Jews. And these are people who are all followers of Jesus. And and now there's friction. Paul tells us that he confronted Peter to his face when he was sliding the Gentiles. There is this tension that is going on there. And so they asked the people, which I think is interesting. It wasn't that the apostle, okay, we're going to settle this. They asked the people to choose those who could oversee the money being collected to purchase food and take care of these widows. They didn't just do it themselves. They said, you guys need to work this out. And so they chose people among themselves that were you know, filled with the spirit and had these qualities of Christ-likeness. And a lot of the names that are listed there are names that are Grecian. They're Greek names. Because that was the problem. So they got people who were able to understand that maybe a little bit more and people who are able to be a little bit more receptive to receiving, well, we know that it's okay because it's coming from this guy and we know this guy, he's kind of like one of us. And already, I mean, the church is just starting out and we've got these tensions taking place. Gentleman Brendan O'Brien, he wrote a book, him and someone else, I forget the other guy's name, Misinterpreting Scripture Through the Western Eyes, talks about when he was teaching the story of the prodigal son. And in the United States, he asked, you know, what is the main themes? What is the, what stood out to you in the story of the prodigal son? And overwhelmingly, it's about this wild kid who's going off and just, you know, wasting his father's inheritance and, and you know, is really just living this lavish life and wild life and is just, you know, kind of a life of debauchery. And that's what stood out to them. He asked the same question to a group, because he was a teacher who was students in Russia, in St. Petersburg, Russia. And he asked them, what's the main thing that stands out to you in the story of the prodigal son? And their answer was the famine. And a lot of people were thinking, the famine? was a famine in the prodigal story? Well, it was because of a famine that the son had to go back to the father. And that's what stood out to them. Why? Because they lived at a time where there was famine. And that affected how they lived. And they resonated with that part of the story. And he started to understand that your culture is going to determine so much of what you interpret. And by hearing these other people's perspective, it opened the story in a whole new way. And so having the idea of unity and its importance is also helping us how we will learn. Because We can only see through the lens of our culture and our experience. 
And it's only when the Hebraic Jews listen to the Hellenistic Jews that they understand that there's a feeling, a sense, an understanding of the situation that is different than their perception of the story. All right, they probably thought, we're, we're fine. Nothing's wrong here. But this understanding helped them to see the gospel message more clearly. And that's something that we see taking place, again, throughout the New Testament. Again, in the book of Acts, chapter 10, we see another example, starting at verse 9, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, replied Peter. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Now, immediately when I hear this story, I, I get this idea of Peter's like, no, I'm, I'm a good Jew. I don't, I obey the law. I don't eat those things. And, and it's all a matter of kind of pride in the keeping of the law and staying away from these things. But there's so much more that's taking place here. Have you ever gone to another country where the food is very different? and maybe had to eat some of the food. There's a story of a, a man who was a missionary in Indonesia, and he was living there for a while, and he got some other missionaries coming, and he would go to the table where the food was to you know, kind of survey what was there on the table to let them know what they should and shouldn't eat. And as the group of other missionaries were there, he's saying, see that plate there? That's dog. And one of the guys goes, okay, so we should stay away from that. And he goes, no, that's your best option. <laughs> there are people who eat rats. Why? Because they're available. They're plentiful. You see, when this idea of the sheet coming down with all these different food, to me, I'm thinking, great. Look at all kinds of food. You know, there's shellfish and there's, you know, different animals, you know, things. I'm thinking of bacon. I'm thinking all the things that, you know, Peter probably wasn't. And to me, you know, growing up Italian, that was just all normal. Man, you eat all that stuff. Peter, this was like eating dog. I ain't going to touch that stuff, right? Yeah, here we got some bats for you. We've got some rats. We've got some dog. Kill and eat. Right? It's like, I don't want to kill and eat. I don't want to touch any of that stuff. That's not in my culture. That's not what I'm used to. And that's probably a, a clearer picture of Peter's emotion at the time. 
than just like, I don't eat that food. Because to us, that food, to me, is good. But to Peter, it's like, oh, I couldn't stomach that. I, I can't handle that. And we know this story that some men come and knock on the door and say, hey, uh, Cornelius has called for you and he wants you to come and visit him. And so Peter does go. And in verse 23, the story picks up. The next day, Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Nice intro, Peter, right? I mean, hey, you guys know God doesn't want us dealing with you, but I got this kind of message that I should come and not call you unclean because that's what I've been calling you. But I'm here, so what do you want? I mean, this is not your normal evangelistic, you know, this is, I'm going to win you over. What do you guys want? You know you're unclean, but I'm here anyway. And and there's that sense that's happening here because that's Peter's world. That's his culture. And and so he steps into this and, and he lets them know that they were people that the Jews couldn't stomach. Their houses and breath smelled like pork and shellfish. You ever go to those homes where you go in there like, I don't know what you're cooking, but it ain't what I'm used to smelling. Right? It doesn't smell like bread. doesn't smell like, you know, hamburger or steak. I don't know what it is, but it's not what I'm used to. I think it's crawling out of the frying pan. You know, better get that back. He's going there and he's saying, you aren't the people that we can stomach, but I'm here. What do you want? Verse 30, Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Notice the posture of humility in Cornelius. He he sees in Peter a, a person whose law didn't allow him to even enter his house, someone who could help him learn more about what he needed in life. It's good that you came here. I know you don't usually do this. He doesn't say, you know, I don't know who you guys think you are. I mean, 
we kind of rule the world right now. You should really be coming here to learn from me. But he doesn't have that posture. He says, everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us, we're here to listen. I'm here to learn what I don't know. I'm here to find out from someone who is different than me the things that I was unable to find out on my own. Verse 34, then Peter began to speak. This blows my mind. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. I now realize how true it is. Really? Now? What about all that time with Jesus? Didn't you know then? This is like my kids, you know, coming up to me and saying, hey, I just realized something that I've been telling them their whole life, right? It's like, I've been telling you that since you were five. You just realize it now? I mean, what about the Roman centurion whose servant Jesus healed? What about the Canaanite woman whose daughter Jesus healed? What about the Samaritan at the well? What about all these people? Now you learn? Just now you were singing, and you see, it took this Roman centurion to open Peter's eyes to understand what this message was really saying that he didn't even understand fully from Jesus himself. It took a stranger, a foreigner, someone who was outside his comfort zone to illuminate to him the truth of what God was saying. Think of the implications of that in our own life. Who are the people who are outside of that circle in our minds? Maybe it's people from a, a different religious group. Right? I talked Christmas about these Persian astrologers, these magicians who are known as the Magi, who we've named the three kings, because that's more palatable. And they are the ones who said, hey, where is the king of the Jews? That's Matthew's story being unveiled here. And then what did Peter tell us that this pork-eating shrimp-breathed Roman said? Verse 36, you know the message God sent to the apostle of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. The good news of peace, peace, what peace? Oh, peace with God. Really? Think of the context of this story. Think of the tension of I don't come into your house. Think of the hostility between the, the Jews and the Romans and this whole Gentile world the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we read in Ephesians by Paul? He himself is our peace who torn down this wall of hostility between the two. The good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. The majority of the New Testament 
is trying to bring about peace between each other. And the way we learn is when people like Cornelius speak. And now we begin to understand that this person, even though they are a Gentile, this person, even though they are a pagan, this person still has a desire for God and God is still speaking to him. And now I see God more clearly because I've gotten a bigger picture of who God is by hearing the voice of someone who is outside of my understanding speak about what God is doing in his life, in her life, in their life, where they live, and the things they understand. And if peace is the driving force, then what is our posture to be towards people who are on the outside or people who think different than us. It's to be one of humility. It's to be one of understanding. It doesn't mean always in agreement, but the understanding that you and I, the important thing is that there's no hostility and that we can live in peace with some of our disagreements I have members of my family who I vehemently disagree with concerning the Bible, but they're my family and I love them. And we can talk about these things and we can disagree about these things and we can laugh over food because there is to be peace. And I think recognizing this, it helps me to see that even though I disagree with these things that you say, I need to be open enough to learn from you the things I don't see. And that changes my posture. I still don't agree at this point with what they're saying, but the lack of hostility allows me to at least hear them. Where they're coming from maybe will help me understand a little bit more about what I need to know, even if I never agree with them, even if I never eat their food. I can learn from those who are different and outside and I've typically been hostile towards. Let's pray. Father, it's difficult for me to lean into this practically. As I know, I and many people have been hurt by people who believe certain ways who are part of this Christian family and yet feel they have done so much damage. And yet you're calling me to peace with them, to stop the hostility, 
to be in a different posture and state of mind from them. And not only them, from others in the world who maybe I have looked at in a negative light, people of different faiths, people different social, economic, ethnic status, people from different religious faiths, people who I have felt contrary to, like Peter did with Cornelius. You're wanting to bring peace between the two that are in opposition. And Jesus is our example. The hostility that he bore in his own flesh on the cross is our example of how important this is to you. And so help us to maneuver these grounds. Help us to pursue unity through the difficulty. Help us to think differently, be open to learn from those who are outside of our culture, outside of our framework, outside of even our belief system. Because maybe, just maybe you are helping us to learn through those people. Give us wisdom. And may we wrestle with these things, I pray. In Jesus' name. Well, we're going to continue this conversation a little bit here. So hope you guys have some questions and thoughts on this. And for those who are watching online, again, hope this is a challenge to you and that you have some questions as well that you can lean into and grow from. And may the Lord help us to understand that unity is the driving force of what we see in Scripture in the New Testament. And may we follow that to be united together. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful and happy new year. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.